0: You're listening to The Truth For Today, a ministry of Coastline Calvary Chapel in Gulf Breeze, Florida. On today's edition...
1: Like your identity in Christ. Like the things that Paul describes here in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 and 3. He starts off with this, this sure, solid salvation that we have in Christ. And I want you to hear this. Long before we open the door to Christ... Paul says that he chose us before the foundation of the earth. That's that's mind-blowing.
0: Do you have days where you feel small and insignificant? Not feeling wanted or needed is a lie that Satan so easily can get us to believe, but it's not true. Not only are you a treasured child of God, you have been chosen by God. Wow, that's amazing. Today in his message, Pastor John will remind you of this amazing truth, that you are loved by God so fiercely that He sent His Son to die for you so that you might be with Him forever. So rest in that truth, that you are wanted, needed, and loved. Well, let's join Pastor John in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 with today's edition of The Truth for Today.
1: Ephesians chapter 1, we pick up again with verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, as we look at some of the things that we have been blessed with and have been given that relate to our identity in Christ. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And the beloved would be speaking again of him, of Christ. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And over and over again, just as a side note, he, he speaks of being in him, before him, to him, courting, accepted in the beloved, Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and I believe also to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's writing at this time as he is pinning this epistle to those in Ephesus as a prisoner in Rome. He's incarcerated. He's in the middle of a very unjust, unfair situation, falsely accused. He's waiting. It'll be a two-year wait for his court appearance. He's been there now and he's suffered at the hands of those who've been plotting and scheming against him. He's innocent. He's lost his freedom. He's lost his ability to produce income. He's in a very, very precarious situation and even could end in possible execution. And even though he's innocent, he's very, very falsely accused. And there he sits And as he writes, instead of being someone who's despondent or in despair or discouraged, the the heart of Paul you see here is one who's very confident, one who's at peace. In fact, he has a heart that's filled with praise and, and he considers himself a blessed man. In fact, he says, you know, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He just mentions the word blessed three times. Now, most of us, if we have anything go wrong, you know, a flat tire, or a loss of uh, hair or whatever it might be, the word blessed doesn't proceed from our lips too easily, but Paul understands that blessings are not confined to circumstance, that it's not about all the time what's going on outside, but who we are on the inside, that our identity, the things which Paul shares with us are not tied to the economy, they're not tied to who's the president or who's not the president, It's not tied to if you're in prison or if you're the CEO of Apple or Chevron or Exxon. It's not about circumstances. And this is part of the secret that Paul shares with us from the book of Ephesians. Your identity in Christ and mine as well and the blessings that I have in him that are, you know, from from the Lord himself that we have from heavenly places is not tied to circumstances. And that's really something you have to get your head around. They don't fade. They don't go out of style. They're not here today and gone tomorrow. You know, there's so many things in our culture that, that just sort of, you know, run through uh, and run past. They're here and then they're gone, you know, like, a, like house flipping shows. They're on their way out for the most part. You say, no, I love those. I know. Wristbands for a cause. Remember when everybody used to have a wristband for some cause? Well, well, you may still have one on, but, you know, hey, you're, that's okay. Crocs. Remember the Crocs? And the, you, you're sitting there, you say, wait a minute, I got Crocs on. Well, it's fine, but you're a little behind. MySpace. Remember MySpace? Didn't last long. Flash mobs. Remember those? Show up in malls. Hundreds of people, they do their little song and dance. Huge thing for a while. Planking, if you don't know what that is, look it up. The ice challenge, remember that? Everybody poured ice over their heads and I challenge so and so. You're like, what's that all about? It's gone. Laser pointers in movie theaters. There's a few nerds still doing it, but it's not around anymore for the most part. Angry birds, you say, well, I still play. it. Well, I'm sorry, it's it's over. It's coming, it's gone. They're they're fads, they're temporal, uh, something for a season, not now and forever like, well, like your identity in Christ. Like the things that Paul describes here in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 and 3. He starts off with this, this sure, solid salvation that we have in Christ. And I want you to hear this, long before we open the door to Christ, Paul says that he chose us before the foundation of the earth. That's, that's mind-blowing. Before you ever existed, before the earth ever existed, before you opened the door when he knocked, there's this mysterious thing about God's sovereignty and man's free will that, that, that heaven understands and we don't, where God chose you to be his. And you are his because of his work, because of his power, based on what he's done, and he adopts you into a personal relationship. You become part of his family. You take on his name. And the scripture goes so far to say as because he's adopted you, he gives you his spirit, whereby you cry unto him. There's a sense where you know he's my father. It's a powerful thing. He becomes your father, the one who guides and provides and directs and, 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 and even disciplines and, and challenges and, and, and sets the, the road, so to speak, for your purpose and direction in life. He's a, as we sang earlier, he's a good, good father. And he adopts you into his family. I mean, think about before you became a Christian, who you were, what you were trafficking in, the things you were doing, would you have adopted you at that time? Would you have said, hey, yeah, I'd like to make him a Spencer. I want him to be in my family. I would have not adopted me. No way. But God looked at me and said, I'll adopt you just as you are. And I'll bring you into my family and I'll love you and I'll, and I'll watch over you and, I, and I'll change you and I'll do all the things I can do for you as a father. He adopted me and he chose me. And Paul goes as far as to say here in Ephesians chapter three, uh, verse six. Look what he says here. He says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Not only did he, did he adopt us and choose us, but he, he actually accepts us into His plan and purpose. And I think that being accepted is one of the greatest needs and desires in every heart. Paul says we have been accepted, that he made us accepted in the beloved. That's a literal translation. Made us accepted in Christ. To be accepted by other people is one thing. But to be accepted by God? I mean, I remember high school days. Maybe you don't remember them. And if you're in high school or you have kids who are in high school, both the parent and child are to be most pitied because it's a difficult time. It's tough. All the things that you do when you're a young person or a teenager in high school to be accepted. What you wear, what you'll say, what you'll do. I remember when I, when I was in high school, the, and, and I wasn't there long. I didn't stay there for very long. But you had to wear a certain kind of penny loafer, if, you, if any of you know what penny loafers are. And I can't remember if they had to have a penny in them or they didn't have a penny in them. But it was a big deal what kind of penny loafers you wore. If you wore the right one, you're kind of accepted. If you didn't, oh, man, look at that guy. At one time, hang-tin shirts, if you can remember that far back. Those were what you wore, these little T-shirts that had two little feet right here. It said hang-tin. And you couldn't wear like a fake hang-tin shirt. Or madras shirts. And they had to be real madras. They couldn't just be plaid. And they had to have a loop on the back, back here where there was a little pleat. And girls would cut your loop off with scissors and they'd keep them. If you didn't have a loop, oh, what kind of shirt is that? You're not accepted. You're shunned. And, and there were so many other things. It continues even to into adulthood. All the things that you have to have to be accepted. And, and we all have these different, you know, we tell our stories. You ever, ever been telling a story about something you thought was kind of cool or neat and happened in your life and then you tell it and someone else goes, oh, that's nothing. I was in Yugoslavia. Yeah, Yugoslavia. Their story is greater, better. All this thing of trying to be better and accepted and approved, the clothes, the cars, the nip, the tuck, the Botox, there's no end to this thing, no matter what age you are. And the worst, I think, is a Christian who's always trying to outdo someone else because they don't know they have been accepted. And they've always got to, you know, one up you or it's not based on what Christ has done. It's not what they do for God. It's, It's like they got to show you as well. And here's the deal. God accepts you because of what Christ has done, not because of what you do. Not because you pray a certain way. You know, some people have a certain way of praying where they get real loud and, you know, real powerful and they add a little phrase on the end uh, and it sounds like this uh, and pretty soon uh, you think they're very, wow, uh, that's amazing. uh. Does God stutter? uh? I think he does. If I pray like that, or if I, you know, read this many chapters, if I, you know, fast this many times, if I if I do this, and nothing wrong with fasting or praying, or even praying with a deal at the end of it. But it doesn't make you more accepted. It doesn't mean God's more pleased. It doesn't cause you to gain God's approval or acceptance. Some people are always trying to be accepted. And here and This passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul wants us to know, God wants us to know, the Lord wants you to know that if you belong to him, then you're accepted. There's nothing else you have to do except trust in Jesus Christ. I, I would encourage you, if you don't know this for certain, to lean in the best you can with your heart open and know that in Christ, you are accepted by God. He accepts you. There's no hazing you have to go through. There's no process like a sorority or, or some kind of you know, deal you have to do to prove that you're good enough. It's based on his grace. In fact, if you look there in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, to to the praise, verse 6, of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. It's the glory of his grace that, that flings the door wide open and says, hey, come on in, you're accepted just as you are. God accepts you into his family and you do measure up. You know, there's a lot of people who grow up in families where uh, they feel like, well, I just never quite measured up to my parents' expectations. Never really made good enough grades, you know. Mom and dad are always kind of like, well, you know. And then never got the job that they wanted me to get or, you know, never played sports the way dad did or mom did. I I never quite got there or, or, you know, financially now I'm not making the kind of money that and there's a lot of people who grow up under that kind of shadow, under that kind of situation that feel like I never really quite was accepted the way I wanted to be accepted because I couldn't perform the way I was supposed to perform. And that's not God. In fact, God's the one who performed. He's the one who did what needed to be done in order for you and I to be accepted. It's based not on your performance, but on your response to his grace. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I mean, it's, it's amazing. The word acceptance here in Scripture is only used one other time in all the New Testament. And it's found in uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 28. And having come, into, come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. That word favored one right there, that's our word for accepted. Same word, translated a little different. Rejoice, highly accepted one. The Lord is with you, blessed are you among Women, Same word that's used of Mary when she was chosen to give birth to the Messiah. And that's the word that's used here when it says that he has accepted you. He's favored you. He's adopted you. He's, he's chosen you and you don't have to prove that you're good enough. God opens the door really wide through his grace and his mercy And he he brought you into his family and you have position of favor because of your faith. And God would say to you, he'd say to me, then John, would you rest in my grace? Would you know I've accepted you? You don't have to prove anything. And then he goes on to tell us in verse 7, not only have I accepted you, but in him we have redemption through his blood. Now, I I think most of us really, in this day and time, have no idea what it really means to be redeemed. Because in those days, in that time, in the Roman culture, almost everywhere you would go, you would see a slave market. There was millions and millions of slaves in, in Rome at that time, all over in every one of their provinces. They were marketing slaves. A slave would be out of a conquered area or someone of that region that they were in, and they would bring these human slaves out on the market, parade them before those who could buy them, and sell them off like property, like livestock. And the person who would buy them would have to pay the price that was being asked for them. And the word redemption means to be purchased for a set price. To be set free by being bought by someone. And what Paul is saying here, we're we're accepted, but we're not only accepted, we have been set free by a purchase price. Now now stay with me, listen. We were slaves before we came to slaves to our own desires. Slaves to the culture that we lived in, even though we didn't know it, because the culture has certain pathways, certain things you have to do to be accepted, certain kinds of lifestyles that are lived, certain sort of things that are seen as successful, things that we would buy into with the carnal mind that we would try and strive to be and strive to do. And the enemy would bring us into bondage through our desires and our and our lusts and the darkness of our own heart. And God said, I want to set them free. I'm going to make them accepted and free in me. And when I came to Christ. When when I sort of opened my heart to him, it wasn't because I didn't want to go to hell, although I didn't want to go to hell, still don't. Not because I wanted to go to church and make some new friends. Not because I wanted to sing hymns or or be religious or found the church interesting. Actually, I didn't. I wanted to be free from the person I was. I wanted a new direction in life. I didn't like where I was headed. I didn't like what I had done to people and how I had hurt them and hurt myself. I didn't like feeling guilty or ashamed at night when I'd laid my head down of of things that is going on in my life and where my life was going. That's what I wanted. I wanted freedom from me. And the Lord came and he paid a price for my freedom. Now, Now, please stay with me. He gave his life, his blood on the cross that I would be redeemed, set free purchased and and when I was I had to no longer be controlled or possessed by lust by drugs by fear by shyness which was a big deal in my life by by low self-worth by no sense of purpose and direction here I was sort of trapped in the slavery to these things there was no way out I'd tried I tried to, hey, it's, it's New Year's. I'm, this is my resolution. I'm not going to smoke anymore. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to start a whole new, never worked. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try harder. I'm going to apologize here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get things right. Fell right back into it. Something happened that set me free from me When I received Jesus Christ and I began to live a life that he designed me to live, not the one that I was choosing. And I believe God has a plan for your life and so does the enemy. And there's something that transforms when you respond to the cross in faith in the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you that begins to set you not only immediately free, but it begins to set you free on a whole new road. The desire to change, to be different, to start over, to overcome my faults and weaknesses couldn't be done within myself. I I tried meditation. Hey, I grew up in the 60s and 70s. I had incense. I had long hair. I Had puka shells. I had the kahil Gibran, you know, uh, meditation uh, guru book. My older brother and I—we knew how to cross our legs and light incense and think about positive things. We listened to the Beatles. We had black lights, but nothing ever changed. It never worked. It tells us in verse 7, in him we have this purchase through his blood, redemption, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. He paid a ransom for us. In fact, Matthew 20 says he, he was a ransom for many and the price was paid. You cannot pay your own price. You cannot pay your own ransom. That's the reality of the truth of scripture our righteousness, the good works we do, the things we strive to accomplish, and Lord, look what I'm doing. The Bible says it's like filthy rags. That's all it is. It's rags. It means nothing. When the Lord began to reach out to me, maybe you are this way, I don't know, he did not have a lot of problems convincing me that I was a sinner. I already knew that. There was no doubt in my mind. I knew who I was. What I needed to know was God, can you accept me? Can you change me? And the Lord said, Not only do I accept you, but I've purchased you. I've paid a price for you, and I can change you. See, a lot of us know we're sinners. We know we've hurt people. We know, basically, deep down, we're all selfish. You say, well, I'm not selfish. Well, ask someone around you. They they know you're selfish. We're all selfish.
0: Isn't Ephesians such a great book to read through? The Apostle Paul wrote this book reminding us of who we are in Christ and how to live out our identity in Christ. It's full of solid truths and practical pointers to help us in our walk with God. The truth for today comes out of Coastline Calvary Chapel in Gulf Breeze, Florida. If you live in the area or even are visiting, we'd love for you to stop by and see us. Let us know you've been listening and how we can be praying for you. You'll find all the info you need at coastlinegulfbreeze.com. Once again, that's coastlinegulfbreeze.com. Well, our time is up for today, but we hope you'll join us again in Ephesians for another edition of The Truth For Today.